certainly good to see this number here tonight. We appreciate the effort that you've made to be here. I uh, hate that uh, Shane got sick today and it was not feeling well. And uh, so uh, I didn't get a chance to spend some time at uh, their home. But uh, Caleb and Joel and Patrick and Micah took care of that. I enjoyed uh, spending time with them and, and talking with them and uh, talking about all the people that we know. We obviously know a lot of the same people and know their, a lot of their family. So it was a joy to be able to sit with them and to talk with them for a while. And I want them to know how much I appreciate them doing what they did uh, for Sylvia and I this, this evening. I, I enjoyed it so, so very, very much. We have so many fine young people in the body of Christ today, and uh, it's an encouragement to me to see them, to see their growth and their development, and to see their faith and their dedication to the Lord, and for that I am extremely grateful uh, and thankful. If I remember correctly, we moved from Nashville to Tullahoma when Cindy had Michael, and so he just came into this world when we were moving, and so now he's a fine young man, faithful Christian, and here worshiping with you guys. And so uh, that's a joy to be able to, to, see, to see that. I uh, appreciate that so very much. Being grateful for me, I think, not to mention the fact that uh, Tony and Steve and, uh, are in the audience and along with Jason this evening, and we appreciate them coming. Uh, Steve and Tony have to listen to me all the time, so uh, uh, I appreciate them, them coming. And also my brother in Christ who's recently moved from California and worships with us, Charles, is in the audience as well. And I appreciate him driving all the way from the other side of Lewisburg over tonight to, to be with us as well. And so I appreciate that so much. Some from Fairview, I see Jerry out here in Dwight, and so I appreciate them so much and others. I appreciate you very much and appreciate you coming. But enough about that. Uh, we want to study the Word of God. And I hope that you have your Bibles and can follow along, if not, and we'll notice some things on the screen. In the book of Nehemiah, in chapter 9, in verses 8, there's some of the Levites that are speaking and addressing the children of Israel. They're back in the land. They've reoccupied the land from Babylonian captivity. And they said, you have found his heart faithful before you. Now, the person that he found his heart faithful before you would have been Abraham. He's talking about Abraham in this text. And he said, and made a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Jebusites, and the Gergesites, to give it to his descendants. You have performed your words, for you are righteous. But here he says, concerning Abraham, that he had a faithful heart. And really, that's what the lessons have been about all week of making sure that our hearts are right with God, making sure that we're pleasing to God, and making sure that we're faithful in services to Him. That's what all these lessons have led toward, of being faithful servants of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'd like for us to pursue that thought for just a little bit tonight. And let me suggest uh, about five things to you. If I have a faithful heart to the Lord, the first thing that I can see that I will be, and that is I'm first a servant. I'm afraid far too many of us do not have that servant mentality. That we want others to serve us, but that's not how we should be as Christians. We should be willing to serve. 
And that's what Abraham did. Abraham was a, first of all, he was a servant. And he was a servant of God. And if we want to have the faithful heart like Abraham had, then certainly that's what we need to be first and foremost. And that is a servant. In Genesis 26, in verses 24, it said, And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake, said to Isaac. But here he says and calls Abraham, Abraham is my servant. You know, sometimes we say things about people and we mean it in a very positive and good way. And in our eyes, that may be exactly how we feel and the things that we say, but in essence, that may not be true of them. But when God says something about a person, you can rest assured that's the way that it is. They are faithful servants of the Lord. And this is exactly what Abraham was. He had a faithful heart and he had a heart of a servant. He was willing to serve his God, and this is what was said on that particular occasion. Do you realize that you and I are servants or slaves, regardless of who we're a servant and slave of? We're either a servant and a slave of sin, or we're a servant or a slave of righteousness. You're one or the other. And really the question is, is which one are you a servant of? Do you serve sin? Or do you serve God in righteousness, holiness and righteousness. Paul said this in Romans 6, beginning in verses 16 through verses 18. He said, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? Slaves. Obedience leading to righteousness. See, obedient... Obedience leads us to be righteous and holy and godly in the eyes of God. He said that God be think that though you were slaves of sin. You know, he says about the same thing in 1 Corinthians 6, you remember. He enumerates all the sins that they had been, the Corinthians had been guilty of. He said, but you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified. They had given up sin in their lives, and now they were the servants of the Lord. He said, you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine. That form of doctrine is simply the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what the word form means. To which you were delivered, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So now you and I are slaves. Whether of sin that leads to death, or we're... Servants are slaves of righteousness which leads to life. So now which are you? Servant of sin or slave of righteousness? Really the choice is ours, isn't it? But if we have a faithful heart, then we are servants. And we're a servant, as he describes here, of obedience that leads to righteousness. That's what a faithful heart will do. The Bible teaches us, obviously, that it's not enough to begin serving, but we have to continually serve God, really all the days of our lives. And we noticed that last night in our, in our studies. And really, that's, that's what's, what we have to do. How many talents and abilities do you have? Do you have any idea? Do you have at least one talent, at least one ability? 
What, what do you do with it? Do you use it? Or do you hide it? Do you, do you bury it? You know, one of the things that Jesus was talking about in this particular text in Matthew, as we look at it in chapter 25, verses 24 through 27, and then we'll skip down and look at verses 30. He said, Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, he said, There you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him. Now, now notice it. This is simply a person now that didn't use the talent and the ability that they had. I want you to notice what he says and how he describes it. He said, you wicked and lazy servant. You know, sometimes we don't look at people that don't use their talents as wicked, do we? We don't look upon them sometimes maybe as being lazy, but that's how God sees them. You know, in the very beginning of this study, we notice what God looking at the heart. He sees the heart. He knows what's in our hearts. And if we have talents and we have abilities that we can use in service to the Lord and we refuse to use those, then he says that you are a wicked and lazy servant. He said, you knew that I reaped where I had not sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Now notice what happens to that wicked and lazy servant. He said, and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you have talents? Well, we should use them. Use them to the honor and glory of God. Whatever those talents really are. Steve and Tony know, know this about, we had a member there. He didn't have a lot of talent as far as serving God in a public capacity. But you know, one thing he'd always do, he, he, he would be the first one at the building. On Sunday, Usually I'm the first one at the building. I unlock the building, go in and run the bulletin. But you know, he'd already be there. I'd unlock the building. He'd go in and turn every <laughs> light on, open every door. He listened to more tapes than anybody that I know of in the entire body of Christ. He bought more tracks. He gave out more tracks than anybody that I know of. Now, he didn't have the talents to teach a class or to lead singing, to preach. He wasn't qualified to serve as an elder or as a deacon. But I'm going to tell you what he did do. He used the talents that he had to the best of his ability. He even gave us instruction of when he passed away, what we were to do at his funeral. Because he wanted his brother to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how badly he wanted to teach him and share the gospel with him, even after he was dead. It's amazing. I always appreciated that so much in him. And after he's gone, I miss that. I miss him going in the building and turning all the lights on and opening all the doors. I, I miss that. It's little things sometimes that we do in life that makes a difference in other people's lives. Whatever talent, whatever ability that we have, use it. Have that servant's mentality. 
It's not that I have to have others to serve me. You ever use the word high maintenance? You know what that means? Are they some people that are high maintenance? Are they some members of the church that are high maintenance? That you have to constantly encourage them and say things to them and watch after them? And others are not that way at all. You know where they're going to be when the doors are open. You know that they're going to serve the Lord. You have a gospel meeting, you know that they're going to be there. You know that they're going to encourage other people to come as well. You know that they're going to use their talents and they're going to use their abilities to serve God. You know that because that's the kind of person they are. See, they have that faithful heart. But this individual was cast off because of a talent and ability that he failed to use. Let me suggest something else to you. You know, a faithful heart is one that's obedient. They're willing to obey all the commands of the Lord. Notice the obedience of Abraham. Now, I could have said this in the beginning, but I wanted to point this out. We'll look at these verses uh, throughout the lesson. But in the hallmark of faith, you have men and women that were saved by the grace of God and they were saved by their faith. Abraham was mentioned twice in Hebrews 11. Why? It was because of his great faith. Hebrews 11, verse 8. He said, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. He lived in the area of the Chaldeans. God tells him to leave the place. And you know what Abraham does? He basically packs his bags and he leaves, just like God tells him to do. Here's a person that was obedient. Here's a person that would listen to God and obey God, even if he didn't know where he was going. He trusted in God. He was obedient to God. Here's a person that had a faithful heart. Have you ever seen people sometimes that would argue with the Scriptures? And I say argue with the Scriptures, usually they try to maybe argue with you, but you're simply pointing out what the Scripture says. And really the person that they're arguing with is God. You know, the person that has the faithful heart is not the person that argues with the Scriptures. It simply accepts what the Scripture says. And if I look at my life and I examine myself and I see that I'm not righteous and holy, then I'm going to change whatever needs to be changed in my life. That's what I'm going to do. See, that's a faithful heart. And that's what Abraham does here. In Genesis 12, in verses 1, he said, Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I'll show you this land. You leave, though. <clears throat> and he does exactly what God tells him to do. Say more about that in just a, just a few minutes. But here's a person that was obedient. Now, there was a reason that was given for this separation. Do you realize Abraham's descendants, that they were an idolatrous people? 
God selected Abraham and he wanted him to get away from his people. You know, sometimes we have to get away from the situation or the circumstances that we find ourselves in and separate so that we can be righteous and holy. That's what Abraham did. In Joshua 24, verses 2 and 3, he said, And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your father, including Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. They served other gods. It is one of the reasons that God wants him to separate from his people. And it's one of the reasons that he wants him to leave a land that was a very fertile land, a rich land. It's so that he might be separated from those that could cause him to lead him off into idolatry. It's one of the reasons that he does it. He said, Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac, the son of promise. But you see, Abraham was willing to leave. He was willing to separate from his descendants. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? If you have your family nearby, you're very fortunate. Because not all of us have our families nearby. Some of us are separated from our family. But if our families were idolatrous, then it would probably be a good thing that obviously that we're separated from. But here you see Abraham was obedient and he did what the Lord told him to do. We have to make sure that we obey God and not man. That's who we have to be concerned about. In Acts 5 and verses 29, you remember the high priest had commanded them that they not speak in the name of the Lord. And yet they're busy preaching and teaching. Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. We're not going to listen to what you tell us. We're going to do what God tells us to do. And that's what, that should be the attitude of us. And really that's the attitude of a faithful heart. It's what God says and not what man says. I dare say that this has happened to David and Leland as well. You ever have people call you and want to know what you teach on a particular subject? I'm a little leery when people call me and ask me that. I, I don't mind sharing what I believe on it, but really, does it matter what I believe? Really, what matters is, well, what does the Bible teach? And what does the Bible say? You, you know, I try to believe and practice everything that I know that the Bible teaches, and practice those things, and not add anything to it or take anything away. But, you know, when people want to know what I teach, Instead of, well, what does the Lord say about this? There, there's what you should be asking. Well, what does the Bible teach on this subject? It's not what I think or what I feel or believe, but it's what the Lord says. And really, if I have a faithful heart, I have an obedient heart, and I want to know what the Bible says. And even, even if it's against something that I have believed for years, I want to know that. I want to know what the Lord says. I want to know what the Bible teaches so that I can believe that. And if there's changes that I need to make in my life so that I can make those changes. Because that's the only way that I know that I can be right with God is when I listen to Him. Do what He tells me to do. 
Paul said in Galatians 1 and verses 10, he said, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. <clears throat> Tony and I sat and studied with a man and his wife in Lewisburg. Had several studies with them. They were living in adultery. That was apparent through studying with them. Do, do you think they got out of that relationship or do you think they continued in that relationship? What, what would you think? Well, well, I'm going to tell you what happened. Now, here's the rest of the story. They left and never did come back anymore. Another family came to my house one day and studied with Sylvia and I all evening, one Sunday evening. And, of course, th through our studies, it was apparent that they were not scripturally married. She had a right to be married, but not to him. And so we left our house. We go back to the building. They pulled in the parking lot. I go on in, in the building. I never see them come in. They pulled in the parking lot, sat there for a few minutes and drove away, and I've never seen them again. Are people really concerned about what God said? To some degree, sometimes. But when it applies to them and their changes that they have to make in their lives, they're not nearly as interested in it. But you see, that's not the heart of a faithful servant. I have to obey God rather than man. I have to make sure that I have my priorities right in my obedience as well. In Matthew 10, verses 34 through verses 39, Jesus says, Do not think that I come to bring peace on earth. He said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. He understood what truth would do. It's not, he, not that he deliberately wanted to cause problems in the lives of individuals, but he wanted people to put sin out of their lives and to faithfully love and serve his father. He said, For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take, a, uh, take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Does truth sometimes cause problems in families? Sure it does. When I was in Nashville, I studied with a man and his wife. He rendered obedience to the gospel, was baptized into Christ. And she was still contemplating this. We were studying. We studied with her for a good little bit. She decided to obey the gospel as well. And so she goes and tells her mother and father that she's going to obey the gospel. She's going to leave the denominational church that her mother and father attended. And she's going to be a part of the Lord's church. And her dad told her, said, if you do that, she said, I'll write you out of my whip. whip. And that's exactly what he did. So does truth cause problems in families? Oh, yes. You know, I'm thankful after a few years that he reconsidered that. He did put her back in his will. Of course, they're all dead. And so those things are immaterial. 
The only thing that matters is if she was faithful to the Lord. But you see, we have to have our priorities in obedience. You know, I've been amazed through the years of how many people will change their views on particular teachings or doctrine because of family members sometimes are involved in sin that they want to accept that sin in their lives. You ever seen that happen? Oh, I have, and I dare say you probably have too. But you see, a faithful heart is an obedient heart, and they're going to do what God says do, even if it's against what maybe mother and father have said. Sons or daughters. We're going to stand for what's right. And we're going to do right. We're going to have our priorities in the right place. Have you ever seen members get mad at the elders when they take actions towards children? If the children are unfaithful to the Lord and maybe they have to mark and withhold fellowship from them. you seen that happen? Oh, I, I know it's happened. Oh, oh, my son or daughter would not do that. And, and you should not do that to them. Well, you know what they're trying to do? They're trying to save their soul. That's what they're trying to do. I've told elders in other places, if it's my son, if he's in sin, and you have to mark, withhold, and withdraw fellowship from him, then that's what you need to do. Because I want you to do everything that you can to save yourself. And it may well take that to save yourself. But priorities in obedience. Let me suggest something else to you. A faithful heart is one that's sacrificial in their lives as well. For instance, we can see the sacrifice of Abraham. He said, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it is said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Now you're talking about faith. Now there's faith. God says, I want you to offer your son Isaac. The son by natural birth to his wife. And Abraham was willing to do that. I only have one son. And it's hard for me to imagine that God would tell me, Jim, I want you to offer Marshall your son. Me to strap him on a sacrificial altar and me draw back the knife and ready to, to kill him. Because God told me to do it. That's not exactly what Abraham did. He stayed his hand, yes. But you see, that's the heart of a servant. A sacrificial servant. He concluded... That even if he offered his son, that God could raise him from the dead. And he could raise him from the dead. But that's faith. Isn't it? And that's a sacrificial life on the part of Abraham. You know, the Bible tells us to use our bodies as a sacrifice. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Some have said that he's 
making a comparison between the dead animal bodies that were offered under the old law versus our bodies as alive and a living sacrifice. Others say, oh no, that's not what he has reference to. Well, you, you can decide that in your, your own studies. But I do know this. He tells us that we're alive in our bodies and that our bodies should be used as a sacrifice to him. Nobody can argue about that. Because that's what it says. He said, hold an acceptable God, which is your reasonable or spiritual service. He said, and do not be conformed to this world. One translation says, do not allow the world to pour you into its mold. He said, but be a transform. It's where we get our English word metamorphosis. He said, you live a changed life. And he said, you do that by the renewing of your mind. You think or have the mind of Christ in Philippians 2. There's the kind of mind that we need. There's the kind of mind that we must have. If we think like Christ, then we will begin to act like Christ. And that's what he wants us to do. He said that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, that's a faithful heart. A faithful heart is one that will, will sacrifice for the cause of Christ. There's plenty of ways for us to sacrifice it. Time, financially, the effort that we put, use the talents and abilities that we have, but lots of ways that we can sacrifice for the Lord. But use our bodies and services to Him. That's what He wants us to do. We can praise Him and honor Him in service as well. Hebrews 13, verses 15 and 16. He said, Therefore by Him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. I always like that idea of a sweet-smelling Savior going up before the Lord. You know, back under the Old Testament law, as they would offer those animal sacrifices and then smoke would rise off those sacrifices. Have you ever smelled burning flesh? I, I never did think that it smelled too good. What, what about you? Somebody says, well, what about a steak on the grill? I, that smells fine. <laughs> but what about when you burn that steak? Then what does it smell like? Well, it doesn't smell nearly as good, does it? But you see, those animal sacrifices were consumed. It wasn't particularly the smell or the aroma of it so much, though he calls it aroma. But it was the fact that they were offering that to God, that they were following the instructions of God, and they were doing exactly what he told them to do. That's why it was so pleasing to God. And here we offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Think of how God must feel when we sing praises to Him, when we pray to Him, when we honor Him, when we glorify Him, when we worship and we serve Him. You know, that's what He's well pleased with. That's how we sacrifice to Him. And that's what He wants us to do. He said, but do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices... God is well pleased. That's a sweet smelling aroma to God. So praise Him and honor Him and serve Him. Let me suggest another one to you. And that is a faithful heart is one that's steadfast in services to God as well. The meaning of steadfast, according to the American Heritage Dictionary, is fixed or unchanging, steady, firmly loyal, or constant and unswerving. It's how the word itself is defined. There's some synonyms that we might use that help us sometimes to understand the word steadfast. Loyal would be a synonym of that. Faithful, stalwart, slouch. He said constant, steady, dedicated, reliable, 
persevering, and dependable. See, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about a faithful heart. It's a heart that is dependable. It's a heart that's persevering. It's a, per it's a heart that's reliable. It's a heart that's dedicated in services to God. You know, that's the kind of heart that he wants us to have. And that's what's involved in being a faithful or having a faithful heart and services to the Lord. Notice Abraham's devotion. Back in the book of Genesis, Genesis 12, verses 6, 7, and 8, he said, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem. He said, as far as the Terebinth tree in Morah. He said, and the Canaanites were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to your descendants, I will give this land. He said, and there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel and he pitched his tent with Bethel. He said on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called up on the name of the Lord, obviously his God. Now in this text twice, what did he say he did? Each time he moved to a place, what was one of the first things he did? He built an altar to the Lord. Here's a person that was steadfast in services to the Lord. He didn't move and go somewhere else and use that as an excuse not to worship God. But he was constantly worshiping and serving God. Is it any wonder that he's called the father of all those that believe? Is it any wonder that he's mentioned twice in that hallmark of faith because of the kind of person that he was? He was a person that was steadfast. I love one thing that was said about Abraham. He said when he died, he said he died an old man full of years and he was gathered to his people. Wow. I had a funeral this evening before I came over to Murfreesboro. Oh, excuse me, I'm so sorry. I had to turn that phone down. I knew that would happen one of these days. I just didn't think it happened tonight. And in the cemetery today, while I was there, there were two graves right beside the one that we used today. And it was the mother and father of the man whose wife passed away. They were both devoted Christians. And I couldn't help but stop and contemplate and think about the lives that they lived and led and the kind of people they really were of how righteous and holy they were. People that were steadfast. People that were concerned about having a faithful, faithful heart. And that's really what a faithful heart is all about. One who is dependable. In Isaiah 6, in verses 8, he said, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. Isaiah 6, verses 8. See, Isaiah says, Let me go, let me do that. How many times do we do that? Something needs to be done in services to the Lord. 
And we say, let me do that. I, I can do that. Let, let me do it. See, that's what a steadfast heart is all about, a faithful heart unto the Lord. In Luke 2, verses 36 and 37, he says, Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years, who did not depart from the temple, who served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Now there's a lot of discussion of exactly how old she was. Somebody says, well, it says she's 84, but if you read the text and look at this, it said uh, she lived with a husband seven years from her uh, virginity, and this woman was a widow, a widow of 84 years. So she could have been a widow of 84 years. And if she lived seven years with her husband, that would be 91. And then if she was 20 when she married, she could be as much as 111 years old. Now, there are people that take both views of this. That she was over 100, or some would say that she was 84, but regardless of how old she was, 84 or 111, where was she? She served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And did not depart the temple. What an example of faith. I told John tonight, I'm just amazed at his mother. 98? 98, John? Will be 99 in a few, few days. What a great mind she has. Loves the Lord and listens to the broadcast, not able to get out. But I'm going to tell you, people like that encourage me and inspire me. Don't they you? A faithful heart. One that's steadfast. One that's dependent. One that the Lord can depend upon. The church at Philippi in Revelation 3, verses 7, 8, 9, and 10, he said, And the angel of the church in Philippi, right, he says, and to the angel of the church of Philippi, right? He said, these things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. He said, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but why? Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you because you have kept my commandment to persevere. He said, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come up on the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. What did they do? What were they commended for? They were commended for persevering and being faithful and being loyal. In spite of all the opposition that was around them, they were still faithful, they were still steadfast, and they were still loyal. A group of people who had a faithful heart in services to the Lord. One other point in the lesson of the years. A faithful heart is one that's hopeful as well. The hope of Abraham. He said, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. 
And he went out not knowing where he was going. Then he says, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise, for he waited for the city which had, has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now notice very carefully what it says here. Dwelling in tents. What would be a tent? Is not a tent something that's temporary? Well, we understand that God made a promise to him that the land that he was in at that time would be his descendants, but did he re actually receive the inheritance at that time? No. He didn't have anything there. He was a foreigner in that land, and he dwelt in those tents. But he knew who made the promise, and he had faith that that promise would be fulfilled, and it was fulfilled. You know, he had a promise that he would make of him a great nation. Did he get to see that, witness that? No, he didn't get to see that. But did he make of his descendants a great nation? Absolutely he did. And through his seed, all nations would be blessed. Did he get to see that? No, he didn't get to see that promise. But he understood that it would be fulfilled, and it was fulfilled through Jesus Christ. But you know what Abraham did? He was willing to live in tents. He was willing to dwell in those tents. Knowing that he was waiting for something better, he was looking for a city that had foundations. It wasn't something that was temporary. It was something that was permanent, and it was something that was eternal. Whose builder and maker is God. Isn't that what we're looking for? Isn't that what a faithful heart is all about? Knowing where I'm going when this life is over. See, that's the hope that we all have, isn't it? Hope realized. So this is the sum of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived 175 years that Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man full of years and was gathered to his people, as I mentioned before. Gathered to his people. What a beautiful thought. You know, I asked him, we had a Bible study at our house, you two or three weeks ago. We have winter classes at my house. Sylvia's. But, but I asked them, who is it that you want to see when you get to heaven? Who do you want to see? Well, obviously we want to see our God, no, the first. Our creator, our savior, Jesus Christ, our revelator. But then who would you want to see? Oh, I know exactly who comes to my mind. I want to see my mom. I have a brother and sister who died young, but I know where they're at. I want to see them. And I want to be with my people throughout all eternity. That's the reason why it's important that I have a faithful heart so that hope can be realized in my life. You know, it's those that are faithful that have this hope. Paul said this. He said, therefore, we do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing. And it is perishing, isn't it? The older we get, the more we understand that. 
Again, he said, the inward man has been renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heaven. Look at this. Three times he mentions the idea of eternal, of something that never See, the faithful heart is a heart that has this kind of hope when this life is over. Going home and being with our Lord forever. Do you have that kind of heart? And do you have that kind of hope tonight? You know, you can have. All of us can. Isn't that the great thing about being servants of God? That all of us can be his servants regardless of who we are. <clears throat> See, being a servant is not determined because of the amount of money that we have, education, or lack of. But it's simply whether or not we're willing to submit to our Lord and do what he tells us to do, he said. So why not through faith repent of your sins, confess your faith that Jesus is Lord? We'll be glad to assist you in your obedience and baptize you in water for remission of sins. He promises to save you and add you to the body of saved people. If unfaithful, return to the Lord. Have that faithful heart. Have that the mentality of a servant. And serve God, you will never, ever, ever regret that. When life is over, you'll be glad that you did. Can we help you in your obedience? If you're here in the audience this evening, you can accept your Lord's invitation in any way. You would make your way to the front and let your wishes be made known as we stand together to sing this hymn as our brother leads his worship.